Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found check battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. What's going on, everybody? I want to welcome you back to the final installment to the Rut Race series of the Field Note Friday section of the Hunt Stand podcast, powered by Savage Firearms. Better comes best. Over the last few weeks, we have covered everything within the rut with Justin Czar from the bowhunting.com crew. Everything from pre-rut going into the seeking phase, chasing phase, getting into that heavy peak lockdown phase. And now we are going to be wrapping up this podcast with the waning rut or post-rut, some of y'all may call it. Or it might kind of be that little dip before you get into the second rut that some of y'all may experience, depending on where you are and what your deer herds like. So there's not much for me to say other than let's get right to it with Justin's R. But before we do, make sure rate, review, subscribe. We really appreciate the support. Rating the podcast really helps us out. And also make sure you got the HuntStand app downloaded. I'm shutting my mouth now, and let's get to it with Justin's R. So we've kind of we've we've covered the pre-rut. We've kind of talked, you know, that that first week. We've talked peak, which you know it's typically like like that second and third. So to wrap up this series for the fifth part, I want to come into what a lot of people call. I think some some might refer to it as the post-rut, but you know, nine out of ten times it's the waning rut. Uh, you've still got some does that might be coming into heat later on. Your younger does. Uh, I heard some people say find the fawns, but. How do you like to try to approach, you know, let's say that Thanksgiving, post-Thanksgiving time when sure. rut's pretty much done, but you still got a couple that are going at it. Yeah. Well, I think we we kind of glazed over maybe like the second week in October, that's 7th, 8th through maybe like the 15th. Yeah. Because for me, that's the zombie walk time. That's mm-hmm. when those bucks have bred their those first couple does. Yeah. And they're really starting to cover ground and, and look for the next one. So that's one of my favorite, to your point, like all day sit times of the year, yeah. the 7th through the 15th. That's when I want to be in the woods all day long. Traditionally yeah. seen, you know, the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, right through there, like a lot of good midday activity mm-hmm. um, that time of year. So that's when I'm going to be usually in the timber between bedding areas on some sort of funnel, some sort of pinch. Yeah. Um, And I'm going to set up and sit all day. That's my tactic for that. Yeah. Once we get past that, 
So now we're talking maybe your 15th through Thanksgiving time, something yeah. like that. Um, there's going to be a couple different things. Uh, morning hunts. I'm going to go back a little bit more um, towards buck betting. I feel like they're starting to, to get back to like where they feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, they're still actively chasing does. Or, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's going to be a little bit more buck focused for me in the mornings and evenings. I'm going to start transitioning to food because, you know, once you start getting a little bit later into November, you know, those does have been running around for weeks. They're tired. Winter's coming. They're hungry. Yeah. Those does are going to start feeding. You may not, you know, it's not late season yet, right? You don't have a bunch of snow on the ground and deer piling into food plots by the dozen, Yeah. but you're definitely starting to see more even, you know, you're getting those days that it doesn't get above freezing, at least here in, in Illinois, mm -hmm. you know, you're getting some of those, you know, cold North winds evening times, you know, food for sure. I really key in on my food plots, any sort of standing food that I may have. Um, and then morning is still bedding. You know, I've killed, um, gosh, I've killed a handful of deer in, let's say from like the 15th through the 28th, something like that. Yeah. And almost all of my bucks have been morning in the timber near bedding areas um, is what I would say. That's also the time of year when I feel like I get some of my bigger quote unquote bonus bucks that, that show up on camera or that I see a buck that I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. And my theory has always been those bigger bucks have, you know, bred the resident does in their areas and they're, you know, they're the dude at the bar trolling around Hey, let's go hit the next bar. Yeah. There's nobody at this. He's one. bar hopping we, at this time. We, we got an hour left before all the bars are closed. Let's see how many we can get to, you know, before the bar closes. So that's what I feel like yes. is starting to happen that, that tail end of the rut. Um, so again, I've had pretty good luck. Um, you know, that, that time of year has become one of my favorite, you know, that last part of October, mm. the first two weeks of November, I think everybody loves, and it's great for its unpredictability, but it kind of sucks because of its unpredictability. I feel like if a deer disappears during the rut and he's off chasing does somewhere, a lot of times you start seeing them reappear that tail end of the rut. Oh, yeah. good. Thank goodness. He's, he's back, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, and they're still very, very killable. Uh, they're moving a ton during daylight. Um, they seem to be a little bit dumber, you know, they're still very responsive to calling. I think I rattled in and killed a big mature buck on like the 23rd of November one year. I saw him out cruising by himself um, across the swamp. And I rattled from a couple hundred yards away and he came in. Heck yeah. So, you know, they're like, hey, if there's a doe or there's a fight or there's something going on and they're just cruising around, like they're still very receptive to that. Where during that peak of the rut, I feel like they're not receptive to anything. No. Like, my gosh, you could throw anything at them. Like, You've seen videos of guys that can't even get a deer to stop when it's going by. And they're, they're like yelling, yelling at, yeah. Yeah. And they're just like, they're so laser focused on those does. Again, that's what makes the peak of the rut awesome because you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe all the activity, but it sucks at the same time. I feel like yeah. leading into and leading out of the rut, you get a lot of those same positives with not as many of the negatives, a little bit more predictable movement a little bit more receptive to calling. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's been the time of year when I'm more able to predict what deer are going to do and then hopefully kill one of them. Yeah. I'm trying to remember who I talked to, but there was a study done that they found that it pretty much correlates to most deer. And, and I'm talking on uh, 
the calling perspective, which you just talked about. It was like a study done here in South Texas on rattling. And I think it spanned across X amount of time. And they found that towards that last leg of the rut, that more of the mature bucks seemed to be, or they actually were more receptive to rattling and grunting than in the first phases of the rut, basically. They called a lot of those smaller, more immature bucks. So I guess what I'm kind of asking you is you feel like it's a better time to have a better chance at calling in a more mature buck this time. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to what I talked about a couple episodes ago, I'm rattling all the time. Yeah. It's just more effective earlier and later, at least Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. It's not going to stop me from rattling on November 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th. I'm still doing it. Doesn't work as quite as often. That's true. Um, but yeah, those big ones definitely, man, they are receptive. And in, in, you know, I just feel like that peak rut time, like they don't want to fight anymore. They know that that window of opportunity to breed yeah. is open, and it's like their mind is on breeding. So you know, earlier in the rut, and something we didn't talk about earlier is I'll probably do a little bit more doe bleeding. Mm-hmm. I've had really good success. First two weeks of November, doe bleeding to bucks. In fact, I would say they're probably more receptive to that than they are to grunting. And I, I think grunting is the first thing we go to yeah, because it's like the first thing we think of when we think of deer calling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have doe bleeded in a lot of bucks. Um, last year, I bleeded in a couple of them just because I was, I wanted to see how they would react. Really? Younger deer that I wasn't going to shoot. Yeah. And I bleed it. I mean, I had them come running to my tree. No kidding. You know, with, with a bleed call. Yeah. I mean, I've bleeding in a pretty good amount of deer, but I feel like it's one of those, those calls where again, it's like third or fourth on the list of what people usually do. They're going to rattle. They're going to grunt. They're going to snort wheeze. They're going to growl. They're going to make all these super aggressive buck calls, but that doe bleed at the right time during the rut, dude, it will get their attention for sure. So that's usually my second call grunt first if they're like nah not interested in in fighting let's try some love mm-hmm. and we go to the bleat and then if that doesn't work then i may get it really aggressive because a lot of times you can step up the level of aggressiveness with either rattling or snort wheezing yeah and get them to respond to that um but bleeding telling you man very underrated that's i would definitely agree with that because you don't hear many people talking now when you're When's talking the last time you bleated at a deer nebraska didn't work for me, um, <laughs> which, I mean, I, there were multiple factors to that. I mean, uh, I had a buck that, not necessarily chasing, but he was behind a doe. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he was locked down, but uh, I bleated at him. He looked across. I mean, we had a big field, and it was a mistake of mine, early green mistake, and I did that, and he just kind of looked, kept going, didn't care. Yeah. Man, getting a buck off of a doe, even if they're not like hard locked on them, like, dude, that's hard. Dude, that's hard to do. You know, that one works one out of every hundred times, regardless Mm -hmm. of what you throw at them. If you can find a buck that's cruising by himself, infinitely more receptive to calling for sure. And it's, Um, yeah, it's so hard. It's just so hard to get that doe off. Like, you know, and I guess what I'm referring to is like, um, I'm kind of referring to turkey hunting and elk hunting in a, in a way. Sure. Uh, I was just thinking about turkey hunting, yeah, actually, like, as it pertains to this. Yeah, you want to try and piss that turkey, that that hen off. Uh, you want her to think that there's another hen moving in, or you want to try and pull her to you because then brings the tom to you, or 
essentially with uh, I had a herd bull that I had come in because I was calling the cows to me. I was calf calling, getting them to me. But for deer, does I don't know what that answer is. I don't know if there is. I don't know that there is. I think the idea <laughs> if a if a buck is with a doe, in my experience, I've had the best uh, receptiveness to like ultra aggressive calling, rattling, snort wheezing, like really trying to maybe think that there's somebody in there that could threaten yeah. you know, him with that doe. You know, I think a standard grunt, he's like, yeah, dude, you, yeah, I hear a million of those. You know, if I got a buck snort wheezing at me, like now I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on here? So it's tough. I mean, again, yeah. it doesn't stop me from trying. By any means, I love decoying. I've yet to kill a big buck over a decoy. Same. But the last couple of years, I have I've really taken a shine to to decoying, as much as I hate taking the thing out with me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really I, I'm really hoping to kill one over a decoy this year. Like I'm getting ready to start taking that sucker. I might even take it with me this weekend, um, a little bit because I feel like now is you know if I if I see one out in the field and I call to them, and that's to your point earlier, right? if you call to a deer and they can very clearly see there's not another deer there, exactly, it's hard to get them to commit. And that's where calling the deer out in an open field kind of can suck. Mm -hmm. And a decoy, you know, in my opinion, I think can really, it put really be beneficial. The problem with a decoy of course is dude, it's hit or miss. Sometimes they are going to freak out and run yeah. the other direction. And you're yeah. gonna be like, Oh no, why did I do they bring this? I know. Decoy? I've had, yes. You know, so, but I just, I, for me personally, I have this thing where I just really want to shoot a deer over a decoy. So I've been bringing it a lot in the last year or two. Mm -hmm. uh, I brought it a lot when I hunted with my son last year, which I thought was awesome because my idea there was we did a couple ground hunts um, with him and the crossbow without a blind because I wanted him to have that experience of not being able to just sit there and play on his phone the whole night. Yeah. And, um, I was like, I want something to maybe hold the deer's attention a little bit more and take it off of us because he's moving around and all this stuff's happening. So we took the decoy and had plenty of little bucks come in. We had some does snort mm. at it and whatnot. We just, we never saw a bigger buck while the decoy was out there. Like we never had that opportunity, you know, but this year, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the decoy. You know, to, to back up uh, the situation I had, the crazy thing about that, we were sitting in this this tree edge that we essentially had really good shooting vantage here, really good shooting vantage to the left, and you could see a ways. I had a doe decoy set up on the other side. Ah, uh, and, and like, you probably just couldn't see it, right? I know. I'm like, damn it, why did I put her there? I should have put her on the other side. Yep. So it happens. But uh, no, man, I, I have loved everything that we've talked about this morning. Uh, just trying to give folks out there something that they might be able to pick up on and think about when november hits or you know they're, yeah. they're in the time of year right now for whenever they're listening to these episodes and maybe to apply it just to their game plan and figure something else out and uh not overthink the rut right i think that's the key man just and it's hard to do i mean how many times do we stay up late at night thinking where am i gonna hunt tomorrow we're pulling up hunt stand and checking the wind and yeah. the in the deer forecast and looking at all of our stand locations and what, what trail cameras have been going off here and there. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's enough to just drive you insane. <sighs> and sometimes I wish I could get all of that information just out of my head. So it's I just know. not even clouding my judgment and I can go, you know, do what I want to go do that. I 
you know, kind of trust your gut type of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, don't overcomplicate it. You know, evenings, regardless of the time of year, I think food is always like your, your best option if available, you know, default to food if you can on an evening sit, because yeah. that's traditionally when you have the best luck there. Mornings, default to bedding areas. Peak of the rut, get in the timber. You know, sitting those sitting those saddles on a ridge or a transition or a fence crossing or something like that when those deer are really starting to cover ground. Like just boil it down to the basics. You know, watch the wind direction, make sure you're on the right side of where the deer are coming from and going to and and start there. And then you can fine tune from there. Mm -hmm. You know, hunting food, it's easy to say hunt the food in the evening. Well, if you got a hundred acre field, where do you hunt? How do you get in? How do you get out? You know. You have to fine tune that, but that's just, for me, it's always been like the, the foundation, the starting mm -hmm. point. Morning hunts, I want to be near bedding. I want to get there early. I want to be in there before the deer are back in there. I want to be on the downwind side. Like you start checking those boxes and it starts narrowing down the locations that you should be yeah. in. Then once you get boots on the ground, you can fine tune based on what you see on the ground. Where are the trails? Where's the sign? Where are the good trees that I can set up in? Whatever the case may be. And then just, like I said, keep it simple. I want to be on the downwind side of a bedding area during the rut. Okay. Where are they bedding? What's the wind doing? I need to be in one of these locations. Just pick one and go. And then hope for the best. Find the does. Find the does. Find, find the does. Find the does. Yeah. There is no rut without does. So that's where the bucks want to be. And, and you're seeing that. I know that as we record this, it's October right now, but I am seeing that happen right now mm -hmm. my trail camera data on areas that i have not had a buck in weeks it may not be my big ones yet but it's an indicator that it's coming my yep. younger bucks are starting to show on cameras that traditionally all summer long have been nothing but does yeah doe groups doe families and all of a sudden and they're still nighttime bucks coming through bucks coming through they're getting a little bit bigger they're getting a little bit closer to daylight so we're on the on the precipice of everything getting ready to break free right now. It's on the up and up. Well, dude. Yep. I appreciate your time this morning. I love getting you on the podcast and uh, talking ruts. So hopefully the next time we talk, it's uh, post you killing a giant here. Success stories. I don't know about a giant. I don't. I don't have any giants that I know of, anyways. But maybe one will show up and I'll kill it. Hey, one of those bonus bucks. If he gets you excited, to me, that's a giant. Doesn't matter. What I the have. Score is. I have plenty of those out there. It doesn't take much. <laughs> I got plenty of those. Well, heck yeah, dude. Well, tell the listeners real quick where they can find everything that y'all post social media if they want to see anything YouTube like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the the, the core home base for everything is bowhunting.com. That should be pretty easy to remember for most of y'all. So, bowhunting.com is the core. Most of the socials are at bowhunterdie. So, those are the those are the places you're going to go find um, kind of what our team is up to. Myself, Todd, the rest of our guys are up to all fall. We got deer dropping seemingly every day right now. We got a lot of does being shot right now. We're, we're hoping for a few bucks over, over the next couple of days. But, yeah, at bowhunterdie and most of the socials. Um, bowhunting.com bowhunter die just google search them up and you'll find us hard to miss heck yeah man appreciate your time this morning thanks man all right y'all that was the finale to our rut race series with justin czar of the bowhunting.com crew just want to thank him for his time and everything that he brought to the table for y'all and hopefully you have found success at this point if not we're going to have some post-rut strategies and late-season strategies coming for y'all down the pipeline of the Hunt Stand Podcast. But again, y'all, we just want to thank y'all for tuning in to the Hunt Stand Podcast and this whole 
rut race series within our Field Note Friday section powered by Savage Firearms. Better comes best. Signing off, and we'll see you on the next one. go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.